If you've been listening to my show for a while, you know how I like to talk about a gut biome test. I call it a fancy poop test. It's a fancy name for a poop test. And it's going to tell us what the ecosystem is in your gut. And why that's important is since food's the best medicine, it's going to tell us, here are your superfoods just for you to eat. Here are the foods for you to avoid. And here's everything else. Eat this a lot. Eat this a little. Now, my team has been very busy and they got an amazing deal. For anybody that wants to do this test, you can do it at home. You don't need a doctor's orders. All you have to do is just go to Viome, V as in Victor, I-O-M as in Mary, E.com, Viome.com. And at checkout, use the secret code, Julie Ryan, and you'll get more than 50% off. Don't put any spaces in there, just Julie Ryan. It's an amazing test. It's going to give you tons of information. I've done it several times myself, and you're going to be thrilled with the information you get because it'll give you a program just for you. Give it a whirl. Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. My intention in doing this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort people all over the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And oh, do I have a treat for you this week. Mark Anthony is with us. Mark, welcome. Thank you, Julie. It's great being here. Um, You know, the the fun thing uh, for your listeners about every time Julie and I get together, it's we never have a lack of anything to talk about. <laughs> That's right. I met Mark, everybody, at the Helping Parents Heal conference last summer where we were both speaking. And I just was like, oh, my God, I got to have this guy on the show because I knew you all would just love him as much as I do. Let me tell you about this guy. He's really extraordinary. Mark Anthony is a fourth generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He's an Oxford-educated attorney. Excuse me, that's pretty amazing. Licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. That, too, is pretty amazing, Mark. Mark has appeared on numerous TV and radio shows and is the author of three best-selling books. His latest, The Afterlife Frequency is the gold winner of the Cover Visionary Awards and was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. That too is amazing, Mark. I'm like, I haven't even gotten through your bio yet. I've said amazing 14 (laughs) times. And this book ranks as one of the top books about faith in God. It's really terrific, you guys. I highly recommend that you get it and read it. It's really that good. So the afterlife frequency. All right. So welcome, welcome. I'm delighted to hear, have you here and to hear what you have to say today. I got a whole bunch of questions for you. And so let's just go and what's an electromagnetic soul? 
The electromagnetic soul is one of the concepts that I introduced in the afterlife frequency to explain, Julie, what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And I spent years doing the research on this, and it, it arcs the divide, if you will, between faith and science. Because when, you know, you know as well as I that every great spiritual teacher since ancient India through Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, Confucius, Lao Tzu, Muhammad, Native American spirituality, all of the great belief systems teach that the who and what we are, called consciousness in terms of psychology and science, a soul or a spirit in the realms of faith, pre-exists the body, comes into the body, moves on after the, um, after the body ceases to function. And in the laws of thermodynamics and physics, we know that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. And it appears, based on, on the last 50 years of research, that the soul is housed in the brain, because the brain, well, it's a magnificent organ, uses 20% of the body's electromagnetic energy but it only accounts for less than 4% of the body's weight. And it has the second most um, powerful energy um, signature in the body. The, the heart uses the most energy, but the brain has the most complex electrical system. So basically, our brain doesn't create our soul. It merely hosts it. So combining the two, electromagnetic soul explains all of that. And I also believe that the EMS, the electromagnetic soul theory, explains not only the existence of the soul, but of the afterlife, of near-death experiences, shared death experiences, and can explain reincarnation and spirit communication. So in a nutshell, that's what the electromagnetic soul means. That's a lot to unpack, Mark. From, yeah, it is. From, yeah, it from is. my background being in the hospital supply industry for 30 years, and I'm an inventor of surgical devices sold throughout the world, some of which have been on the market for 30 years. I always find it interesting when we talk about electrodes for EKGs, EEGs. What are they doing? They're measuring the electrical frequency outside of the body. And most people are familiar with those two tests, especially an EKG. If they haven't yeah. had one done on them, they know somebody who has, or they've seen it on TV or in a movie, but we never really stopped to think about it. No. But I think those medical tests, if you will, are validating what you just said in a really amazing way that nobody's paying any attention to. Well, there, and, and I'm really glad that you brought that up, uh, Julie, because in the last year, there have been two major breakthroughs in the electro, you know, proving the electromagnetic soul in life after death and involves um, an EEG, an electroencephalogram, which is, is uses the same technology you're referring to. In February of 2022, almost a year ago, um, a, an 87-year-old man in Tartu, Estonia, he had a heart attack. So he was rushed to the hospital, and he was put on an EKG. And, excuse me, he had a stroke, and he was put on an EKG in the hospital. 
and they were the they meaning the doctors were monitoring his brainwave frequencies and then all of a sudden he had a massive heart attack and died and that was the first time in history when an EEG a brain was being a human brain was being monitored at the precise moment of death and what the doctors were astonished is right at the point of death all five brainwave frequencies gamma um beta alpha theta and delta surged so there is this massive surge of electromagnetic energy in his brain. And then the um, there was a study, uh, Sam Parnia was the lead doctor, lead surgeon. I, I can tell you, you're aware of this. And there were 25 hospitals in both the UK and the US involved where people who were undergoing um, um, resuscitation, um, CPR, CPR, they hooked up EEGs to them. Now, all these people survived, but in in like 20% of the cases, the people who died but then were resuscitated through CPR described what we call a near-death experience, and their brainwave frequencies surged as well. So now we're actually getting empirical, scientific, correlative data which is proving that the energy of who and what we are survives physical death. And I think that this is really exciting stuff. I call that science catching up with woo-woo. Because the woo-woo has been around for forever. And the science now is progressing enough to to the point where we can prove a lot of this stuff that we've known since the beginning of, of humankind, really. Since the beginning, does everything have an electromagnetic soul? Do pets, do trees, do flowers, do any any kind of anything that is alive? How about a piece of furniture? How about things like that? Well, there's a lot of questions there. So let me take them one at a time and I'll take your last question first. Piece of furniture. Okay. We know from science that everything is made of molecules. Molecules, in turn, are composed of atoms. Atoms are composed of electrons, protons, and neutrons. All right, so we've made it to fourth grade science. But in the last century, century and a quarter, arrived quantum physics. And quantum physicists have proven that electrons, protons, and neutrons are, in turn, comprised of yet a smaller particle known as a quantum, ergo the term quantum physics. A quantum is electromagnetic energy. And for the per, for, for the benefit of, of your listeners who are familiar with science, an electron is technically a quantum since it's one eighteenth hundredth the size of a proton. So now we've made the science people happy. So we get to the subatomic level. The basic building block of everything is electromagnetic energy. And Julie, that means you, me, the chairs we're sitting on, the microphones we're speaking into, the radio waves that this show is being broadcast on, the light of the sun, the surface of Saturn, and the distance between our planet and the stars is at the most basic level all comprised of the same form of EM, electromagnetic energy. But everything vibrates at different frequencies. That's why you and I are alive. And this pen that I'm holding up, which on the subatomic level is made of the same EM energy that we are, 
um, is an inanimate or what we consider an inanimate object. Your next question, does everything have an EM soul? Well, you know, at the risk of getting all Avatar and James Cameron, and I love the way uh, on, on in his mythical world, Pandora, and the beautiful thing about science fiction is that if it's crafted properly, like James Cameron and like some of the, the Trek series and things like that, um, and other, you know, like Arthur C. Clarke's uh, works, it's a good way of commenting upon what we know and what we hypothesize. And recent studies have shown that plants, particularly trees, when their roots touch the root systems of other plants, they're exchanging EM impulses. And this ties into the biophotons, which um, our cells emit uh, flashes of light, which are naked to the visible eye, which are called biophotons. And it's believed that our cells in humans, and now they're theorizing plants, are also, they communicate through bioelectric photon flashes. So everything, um, every living being has an electromagnetic soul. Does a tree have a soul or a spirit? Well, a tree is alive, and I and, and I believe you're like me, that when you're in nature, there's a different feeling there. There's an energy, there's a life. And dogs, cats, birds, um, all, all animals have souls. And in the readings I've conducted where I facilitate communication, between people in our world and the other side, just like you do, Julie. I've communicated with dogs, cats, horses, bunnies, gerbils. Um, I even connected with a bear one time, which was kind of interesting. So, so animals do have souls. I agree. And I talk to plants too. And, and I agree with you when I go for a walk, which I do most days on the weekends, if I have time, I'll go to our botanical gardens here in Birmingham. And it's just a different vibe. And it's because of all that energy coming from all those trees and flowers and plants and the streams and all of that. I agree. You, know, you brought up um, um, an interest. You just said a very interesting thing and you brought up a good point. There's a different vibe there. And for our listeners who are, are grieving, who are in the throes of coping with the loss of a loved one, one of the most healing things you can do is immerse yourself in nature. Um, maybe you should, you know, plant plant a small garden or just go for a walk in the woods or at a park because we're surrounded all day long by all these distractions and and the technology and then the stress of other people and the stress of our own emotions. And sometimes we need a break from that. And nature kind of recalibrates your vibration and it can take the edge off some of the pain that you're experiencing during grief. That brings up really brings up a really interesting point. One of my best friends, her, she is the daughter of Hungarian nobility. Her father and mother were a count and countess. The Countess Teleki, I got to know well, and they lost everything during World War II to the point where the Nazis came and overtook their castle and gave them, it was like a hundred room castle, and they gave them, I think, three rooms to live in with seven kids. And the stories are just horrific that that family went through. And I asked the Countess one time, 
I said, how did you survive that? How, I mean, emotionally, how did you survive that? And she said, I went for a walk in nature. And she said, every day when I was in nature, I would look at the clouds. I would look at the trees. I would think this too is going to pass. These trees have been here for hundreds of years. They've survived. I can too. And she said, it gave me the energy to deal with all the horrors that came with everything that they experienced during the war. And then when the Nazis left, the Russians came and overtook their property. It was 6,000 acres that they had. And uh, and I thought, what an interesting comment from a woman. This woman's story makes the sound of music seem like it's mild <laughs> compared to what they went through. So interesting point. Do you think, Mark, that there's a a heightened interest with the general public about spiritual communication in the afterlife? And if so, why now? I think there is definitely a heightened awareness among the the population around the world with spirit communication. I I think that's for a number of reasons. Um, Traditionally, and, and I'm a proponent of religion and belief in God, but the problem with organized religions is they've told people that you can't communicate with, with uh, God, with the Almighty, unless you go through us and give us 10% of your income, all right? So they've created, you know, because religions are businesses, and they've created this monopoly on how you're supposed to connect with, with uh, the divine power and, and to understand the afterlife. And we're seeing a, a decline in a lot of people believing in traditional religions, but that's coinciding with an increase in people still seeking spiritual guidance. Now, coupled with the fact that we live in the 21st century, and despite the world's problems and humans' proclivity for violence, it is a pretty cool time to be alive technologically. I mean, we have, you know, we can, what we're doing now, all right, we're in two different parts of the country, yet we're talking in real time, and, and this show is being broadcast globally. All right, that would be then try explaining that to somebody in the year 1890. They'd look at you like you, you were you were insane. But but the thing is, we now have technology, we now have quantum physics, and we now have the last five going on six decades of near-death experience in survival of consciousness studies. So coupled with all that, people are beginning to be much more interested in spirit communication, and it is being endorsed and discussed by physicists and near-death experience researchers, medical professions, and really credible people. Um, And I'm glad that we're getting away from, you know, when people say, oh, psychics. Now, you and I are both credentialed seasoned business people. We are serious. We are credible people. We're not running around wearing turbans, waving uh, Ouija boards and flinging granola at people. All right. Um, we are in, you know, the the whole, we're the new generation of, of spirit communicators. And like I said, you know, we're very left brain, very credible people. Yeah. Interesting. What's the collective consciousness? The collective consciousness is a term that I refer to as the other side, and dare I even say the divine power we call God. The way to think of the collective consciousness 
think of your, your soul, your EMS, your electromagnetic soul as a drop of water. And so when we physically die, the the vessel, your brain's like a computer hard drive, all right? And so the hard drive crashes and that EMS, like a drop of water, then separates from the body and plunges into this eternal sea of consciousness. So it's a drop of water plunging into this eternal ocean. Well, you still maintain your individuality, but now you're energetically linked with other souls, linked with other souls, linked with other souls, and ergo a collective consciousness. Yet we maintain our individuality, yet through the collective consciousness, we're able to, we meaning souls, are able to access this infinite array of, of information. And um, I know that you're involved in a research project where you're connecting with souls and getting historical data. And I just returned from a research project at the University of Arizona where we were um, uh, working with uh, their laboratory of advanced uh, health and consci consciousness and health doing something very similar receiving messages from the collective consciousness which are assisting in the research project now the collective consciousness it, it's really fascinating because when a spirit comes forward let's say you have an aunt betty who passed and aunt betty didn't have more than a sixth grade education you know it's, she wasn't a dumb person but she didn't have the benefit of of an education and she comes forward, and part of the reading, she starts talking about various medical issues that you or someone close to you in this world has. And the first thought is, well, Aunt Betty wouldn't know that. She didn't go to medical school. She could barely read. The thing is, though, you can't judge a spirit on the basis of what they knew in this world, because as a member of the collective consciousness, they're able to access this vast array of information and they can give you things that far exceeded the scope of anything that they knew while living in the material world. And that's how we, who are still alive with our spirits attached to our bodies, can access any information we want because we tap into the collective consciousness through spirit communication. Exactly. And that's amazing when we think about it in my class couple of years ago, I have a, I had a guy who's a defense contractor engineer, and he was working on some algorithm. He did black ops. You know, he'd have to kill us first before he could tell us what, <laughs> was, what he was working on, kind of a thing. And he wanted to talk to Einstein about helping him solve some theorem thing yeah. way above my pay grade from a calculus and mathematical standpoint. Einstein came in during the class. He gave, he talked to him, had a conversation in front of all of us, and he figured he helped him figure out what was going on. So I think it's in, you bring up a really important point, Mark, in that we all have access to collective consciousness anytime we want once we learn how to utilize our abilities. You touched on this a minute ago about facts. And I would think as an attorney, facts are have been an important part of your life, not only in court, but also in the work that you're doing now. So do you touched on it a minute ago, the spirit communication and the afterlife research, do they really prove that this stuff is real? Yes. Um, yes. Based on the empirical data that can be validated, that comes through. And on a, on a um, easier 
let's say a, a, a simpler example. I was doing a reading for, for this woman, and this was not the laboratory, but this is just a, a reading I was doing for a client. And the spirit of her mother came through and started talking about a seven-year-old boy in this world connected to um, my client. And she said, well, I don't have any children, but I'm very close to my sister's little boy, and he's seven. I said, all right, I'm getting this thing going on. I'm feeling problems with my eyes, like blurred vision. And she goes, that's weird. I was talking to my sister the other day, and she said her son's been complaining about blurred vision. And then the message from the mother spirit was, get him to the eye doctor. And then I said, and she's following that up, and I'm hearing, tutti frutti, ah, Rudy, tutti frutti, ah, Rudy. I go by little Richard. She goes, Okay. Well, she goes, well, I know who Little Richard was, but that that song doesn't really mean anything to me. I mean, well, I'm not really a fan. I go, go ahead, just take that down. And, and you know, if you find out what it means, let me know. All right. So a month later, uh, she contacts me and she said, Mark, I called my sister and she said, okay, yeah, let's take take my boy to the, to the eye doctor. And so they made an appointment for about a week later. And she said, the second My sister and I and the little boy walked into the doctor's office, immediately on the radio, started playing Tutti Frutti, Ah Rudy by Little Richard. Now, let's take my electromagnetic soul theory and collective consciousness and and take a look at this. First off, um, the mother spirit is part of the collective, and she's aware that her grandson needed, um, you know, probably just uh, glasses because he was developing um, headaches and an eye problem. So she gave that piece of information. And on the quantum electromagnetic subatomic level, from Einstein's theory of relativity up until the modern era, quantum physicists theorize that time as we know it does not exist, which is why spirits are able to see what Julie and I, and, and we all call the future. And Radio waves are also a form of electromagnetic energy. So get the get my grandson to the doctor and to validate that you're doing the right thing. I see and know what song will be playing on the radio the second you walk into the office. And that's what was going on there. And so when things like these come through uh, during readings through a medium, through a legitimate medium, and you don't understand it right away, and then it comes to pass, there is a reason why the spirits are transmitting what they are. And because if if you look at that, I mean, why would Tutti Frutti Ah Rudy make any sense to these people? They weren't Little Richard fans. They didn't particularly like the song. But of all the songs in existence that happened to play at that precise moment, I believe the odds of that happening, I think we're past a billion to one. I agree. And I get that a lot with clients. And I know you do too, Mark, where they'll say, well, that just doesn't mean anything to me. That, (laughs) that, oh man, I had somebody recently, I think it was last week and we were talking with her deceased husband and she was so distraught because he died very suddenly and unexpectedly. And he said, look for the peacock. She lives in Boston or someplace. She's like, Peacock, what's that mean? I said, I don't know. Just be open. Maybe in a magazine, maybe you may go to the zoo and see one. Just be open. You may you may see a piece of jewelry with a peacock on it. Just be open. So she emailed me five minutes after we hung up the phone. She said, Oh my God, in her email, 
I opened up my Facebook page and there was a picture of a brilliant peacock, which was the, the thing that showed up. And she said, that's just, that can't be random. He said, she wanted him to send her a sign that he was around her. And I said, the more random it is, like a little Judy Fruity, the more it makes an impression on us. And I think that brings up a really good point too, Mark, which is when we get information from spirit, we're not controlling what they're sending. So when somebody says, when a spirit says, I missed your chocolate chip cookies, and they're saying that as a frame of reference, but the person is thinking, this is my cookies. Doesn't he miss me? And I said, well, he's around you all the time. So miss me is different. Can you talk a little bit about that when you get information and it doesn't resonate with your client, but it can in the future? How do you, how do you explain that? Most of us have busy lives and we know that we're not getting the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need. So I'm always looking for easy ways to ingest them. I found one, it's called Beam Minerals. And what I find is that most of us don't get enough potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the big three. And so what Beam Minerals does is it's put all these minerals in a liquid form that's easy to drink because it tastes like water. It's got all these important minerals and a whole bunch of other ones. and I find that they're really helpful. They save me time. They're easy to take. And I suggest that you give them a try. Go to Beam Minerals, B as in boy, E-A-M, minerals, plural, dot com, and use the code Julie Ryan, all together, no space, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. That's Beam Minerals, B-E-A-M, minerals.com and use Julie Ryan at checkout and you'll get a 20% discount. Give it a try and let me know what you think. When you get information and it doesn't resonate with your client, but it can in the future, how do you, how do you explain that? Well, I explained to them that think of the reading like a flower and it blooms, blossoms and unfolds. And the unfolding can take hours, days, weeks, even longer for the full impact of a reading to make sense. And there's a lot of people, and I discuss this in the afterlife frequency, um, I call it the no, no, no syndrome. Some people, no, 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 no. And they start shooting everything down or they're argumentative or, well, he didn't know that because they're overthinking it, overanalyzing it. I was doing an online session with a, a group recently and this woman's daughter who passed comes through and all of a sudden she goes through me, I, I get the box of buttons, the box of buttons. No, 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 no. I go, look, I don't fling out things like a box of buttons, you know, randomly hoping to get a hit. There's got to be something there. Well, this it makes no sense. And I don't understand why she bring it up. That's really trivial, but I collect buttons and I have this big box full of buttons and I've been collecting buttons for years, but that makes no sense. Okay. I said, well, envision the message from your daughter as a beautiful ship on the ocean and you just torpedoed it. Okay. And it exploded and went down. The thing is, I have no idea that you collect buttons. So your daughter is giving me a piece of evidence. Ergo, we are evidential mediums, facts about you as something that I don't know 
that verifies the authenticity of the contact with the spirit. And it's like, um, like, like the tutti frutti are Rudy. And like your example with the peacock, they'll bring up things and people, no, 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 no. And I tell people instead of no, 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 because when you do that, you generate a negative barrier. And it's like, you're slamming the door in the spirit's face. Let's keep the door open. Better to say, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. Energetically, that's different. That's more receptive. See, people want spirit communication to be like Alexa. Alexa, give me the winning lottery numbers. Well, Alexa can't. And people say, well, if you're so psychic, why haven't you won the lottery? Well, it's not that I don't put it out there. If one of my relatives or friends in spirit want to give me winning Powerball numbers, I will gladly take it. But spirits are not concerned with material objects or material wealth. And they've told me time and again, you know, this is not for that. And so the things that they bring through are what's really important. Love, healing, health, resolution, protection. Great answer. I love that because oftentimes people get so disappointed because they're not telling them what they want to hear. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I can't make somebody say something, whether they're attached to a body, whether their spirits attached to a body or not. I had a client one time and it was his birthday unbeknownst to me. And we were talking with his deceased wife and he kept saying, I know she has something special to tell me today. I know she wants to tell me something special. And she's given him, medical advice. She's given him advice about the house. I mean, she's given him like all this specific stuff. And then at the end of our conversation, he said, well, today's my birthday. And she didn't wish me a happy birthday. And I said, I'm so sorry. All I can give you is what I get. And she gave us a lot of information that was usable. There's a reason for that. That's part of the no, no, no syndrome. It's the it's a subset of that called I want, I want, I want. So somebody goes into a reading and I want to until I hear the secret word that only she and I knew I, you're not real. I've had people do that. So like you said, you probably gave her 50 pieces of accurate evidence, medical, personal, financial, all these type of things. But until she heard that one thing. And by hyper-focusing on that, it creates a barrier and a block. Uh, I, I remember um, one time this woman said, well, there's something that my son needs to say. And I was talking about birds. No, no, no. He's supposed to show me a feather. I go, well, what are birds covered in? Oh, but that wasn't good enough. It had to be a feather and a particular type of feather. And, da, 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 da. and so when people go into a reading like that and they flood it with negativity and their demands and what they want to hear, once again, there's the beautiful message on the, the majestic sailing ship, and they've just fired six torpedoes at it. Boom! And there it goes. So when you go into spirit communication as a client, yes, there's things that you're going to want to hear, but be open to what comes through. Do not go in with a list of until I hear this, because by doing that, you're flooding the energetic field with angst. Um, think of a, a reading in terms of a triangle. The other side, the collective consciousness is at the top. Julie's on one side, her client's on the other. There has to be 
a three-way flow be, be, between all three. It's usually okay with the medium and the other side, but then with the client, they, they, they sever the connection with a no, 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 I want, I want, I want, or the overthinking over analysis. This is it's is not one of my favorites, but it's one of my favorites to explain. So I'm doing a reading for this electrical engineer. Now we want electrical engineers to overthink their jobs because a lot of intelligent people, um, you know, and Julie and I, uh, we're professionals and we have a lot of very intelligent clients. And in our daytime left-brained material world jobs, overthinking things is a good idea. But in spirit communication, you have to go with what hits you first instead of overanalyzing and picking the message apart. So I'm doing a reading for this electrical engineer, and his mother's spirit comes through and wants me to give a message to his four sisters. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing the names Martha or Marcia. No, my sisters are not named Martha or Marcia. Their names are Margaret, Marie, Marilyn, and Marianne. And I go, seriously? He goes, well, you didn't say the right name. And then he goes, oh, my God, I'm being the electrical engineer, aren't I? I go, yeah. I said, look, I have no idea that every woman in your family's name starts with the M-A-R sound, but your mom does. And then he started laughing. He goes, well, Mark, in my world, it's either the red wire or the green wire. That's it. <laughs> so, so you have to be a little bit flexible. Now, if I was hearing you know, Ophelia and Winifred, well, clearly that would have had nothing to do with his, you know, sister's names. But you have to realize that the way we uh, receive information, we can be very close to something. Um, like people say, well, what if the, the spirits never spoke English? Well, spirits don't speak English. They don't speak uh, French, Chinese, uh, Bantu, or, or, or uh, Mandarin. They speak frequency. So what an electromagnetic soul does is he, she, or they as a collective emit a wave of EM frequency that then goes into the medium's brain and the medium's electrical field in the brain, the medium's electromagnetic field, then converts that frequency into recognizable concepts based on memories, feelings, and cultural associations. So it's doing a reading for this woman from Bulgaria and I don't speak a lick of Bulgarian, and one of her relatives comes through, and I hear a word that sounds like incidental. And all of a sudden, she begins to giggle. And I said, what? She said this person's name, and by God, it sounded a lot like the word incidental. It was like incidental, whatever it was in Bulgarian, but it sounded a lot like incidental. And she goes, Mark, I think that is it. <laughs> and, and so the thing is, yeah, I don't speak Bulgarian, but I may get an image. Like in another instance, I was doing a reading for a woman from, I believe she was from, from Spain. And her son who passed, who didn't speak a bit of English, came through. And all of a sudden in my mind's eye, I got an image of um, one of my favorite stories as a kid is King Arthur with the sword in the stone, pulling Excalibur out of the stone. And she goes, oh. My son's name was Arturo, which is Spanish for Arthur. And she goes, and by the way, Mark, his favorite story as a child was King Arthur and Excalibur, the sword and the stone. So the point is, 
it doesn't matter what human language the spirit spoke, they are able to communicate to us and by emitting concepts that we can relate to. I love your example of the triangle. And I always tell people, spirits don't communicate on the I feel crappy channels. So when you're feeling mad or sad or grief stricken or whatever, those are low vibration channels. It's like you're trying to listen to country music on a classical music station. That's not what's being broadcast on that channel. So I, I'm, I'm going to poach that triangle example. Oh, uh, please do, um, because people need to understand that. Um, you know, uh, it's funny when 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 uh, people come into a reading and they're all bottled up and like, I don't know if I believe this. And it's like, well, then, you know, there's the door. OK, because you got to let your deflector shields down. And I remember in a personal session, this woman brought her friend with her. And the friend was sitting there all bottled up with this snarly look on her face. He goes, I don't believe this. I'm just here because I drove her here and I'm here for moral support. And I go, that's all right. You're welcome. So I'm doing the reading for the client. Everything's going really well. And all of a sudden I go, a father, a father. And I go, I'm hearing Woody Woodpecker. And I'm going, guess who? And so the client's looking at me like, that doesn't make any sense at all. And all of a sudden the woman that, sitting next to her was in tears the skeptic was in tears she goes oh my god when i was a little girl my daddy would tuck me in bed and then he'd open the door right after he closed and goes guess who like woody woodpecker it was her father who came through to say hello to his little girl and you know it's funny is since that time, this lady's done a complete 180 on her belief system, and she sent me a lot of a lot of clients. She goes, I didn't believe this. She goes, but there is no way this guy could possibly have known that. Yeah, I love that. You grew up in a family of psychic mediums. Is that the norm, and we just don't know it? Well, uh, several of my colleagues... Um, talk about mediumistic ability being present in their families. Um, my family, both my mother and my father had these abilities and the two sides of the family could not possibly be more different. My dad's family hailed from Pennsylvania and they were conservative Northern Baptists. In fact, his um, great-grandfather, who was my great-great-grandfather, founded a church but my dad, he had uh, four siblings, three sisters and a brother. One of his siblings, Marjorie, was a medium. So was his mother, uh, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother, Grace. And But they kept it under wraps. You know, they kept it real. And I remember my dad saying that um, he came home one day on a Thursday because he worked and they had a farm. And he was listening through the parlor door. And and they always said, oh, leave us alone. So we have the ladies over and we're playing canasta on Thursdays. Well, he was listening through the door and they were doing readings. It had nothing to do with canasta. And dad's like, oh, my gosh, you know. And then he admitted to them that, well, you know, I'm seeing and hearing things, too. Then my mother's family came over from Italy and my maternal great grandmother, Giovanna, was known in the Italian community of North Jersey and, and Little Italy in New York City as the woman who knows things. 
and nuns, priests, even cardinals from the Catholic Church would go and consult with her on spiritual matters. In fact, in 2016, um, PBS did this special called The Italian Americans. It was a, uh, I think it was a four-hour special, and they did an entire segment on Giovanna. It was a seven, seven or eight-minute segment, and they actually referenced her psychic abilities. And, and I remember, like when it aired, like you know, as soon as the commercial hit, I mean, the phones were ringing because my cousins and all we were all talking about that. And so my my maternal great grandmother, and then my mother, and so. When my dad got out of the Navy, he was a U.S. Navy SEAL, and then he became an aerospace engineer. He met my mother at a dance, and they immediately connected. And and they said it wasn't like a lustful type thing. She said, my mother said it was like this very spiritual connection. And after a couple dates, and she was a good Catholic girl, and dad was a, he was a gentleman. She said, you know, before this goes any further, I got to tell you something. She goes, I see spirits. And then my dad, being right out of the Navy, there's several expletives um, that were modifying the the uh, the nouns. <laughs> he said, "Me too." <laughs> so, so um, the point is that, in at least in my family, this appears to be a genetic trait. What's called a recessive genetic trait, meaning not everybody has it. It's like left-handedness is a genetic trait. One out of ten people are left-handed. So when two parents have the same recessive genetic trait, the likelihood that one of their children will have that trait increases exponentially, and that child happens to be me. Well, I believe that we all have the ability. It's just a matter of developing and enhancing it, and that's what I teach in my classes. And it blows people's minds, Mark. You know, after a couple of hours of discussion and lecture that they can do some of this stuff and then we build on it each week and it just is amazing for them. On the religious part, as far as I love that the cardinals and the nuns and the priests were coming to see your grandmother, there was a papal bull, which is kind of like a bulletin that was released in 2016 by Pope Francis that basically said that he was encouraging his pastors to welcome healers and psychics because they were doing the work of the Holy Spirit. And case in point, my Catholic parish here in Birmingham and many other churches and synagogues around the country give a copy of my book about what happens as we're dying and how we're surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones, spirits and the spirits of deceased pets. They give it out to every family that comes in to plan a funeral. And my pastor, Father Fallon, says he keeps a copy of my book on his nightstand next to his bed. But as a lawyer, I got to say, oh, my gosh, where do they find those lawyers to write that canon law? That is the most boring stuff. I'm in a coma after about two paragraphs. Holy mackerel. It's oh, just awful. Oh. Yeah, it, well, it's it, it extends beyond papal bulls. If you look at uh, statutes, particularly the Internal Revenue Code, um, talk about dry and boring statutes. But uh, there are people that just simply enjoy doing that. And I was, uh, you know, I'm not practicing law now because I'm focusing strictly on my spiritual work. But I like being in front of a jury. I liked, you know, I like the the, the human interaction. And I think Great Britain does a, a very good job about splitting the two types of, of attorneys. Barristers are people like me. You're in court, you're on your feet, you're public speakers. Solicitors 
are office attorneys, and they're the ones that enjoy doing the research and drafting the statutes and those type of things. So, you know, once again, you know, we're all different. And that's right. I'm glad there's people who like doing that. Um, I, I, I prefer a bit more action in my life than sitting there and checking footnotes all day. But it's good that we do have people because that is a very important uh, thing. I agree. Was there a catalyst that prompted you to go public with your skills? Yes. Um, I was in my office uh, practicing law. I had my own law firm. Uh, I was a senior partner of a firm. And I was thinking about spaghetti. Now, not unusual for an Italian boy to be thinking about spaghetti. And so I called my mom. And my parents lived about five, six miles from my office. And she said, hey, honey, I made spaghetti. Why don't you come over for lunch? I go, okay. And I remember I went over and I had just a really wonderful time. And, but mom looked tired. And, and But it was great. We laughed. We talked. And before I left, I'll never forget my mom. She hugged me. And, and she said, Mark, I'm so glad that you're my son. She goes, we have three such great kids. And I'm so glad you're my son. And I hugged her and I kissed her. And I said, I love you, mom. And she goes, I love you, too. And when I left, it, I just had this very intense feeling. And the next morning, I was in court, and the judge's assistant came out and said, Mark, we need you in chambers right now. And they pulled me out of court, and my secretary was on the phone, and she was crying. She said, your dad called. Your mom died. And, you know, I... I I spiraled into this depression and people think, oh, you didn't see that coming. Well, I had an ominous feeling and my mother died peacefully in her sleep. She died from what's known as a ventricular fibrillation. And uh, basically, if you're going to go, that's the way to go because you're the electrical field and your heart gives out and you get very tired. You go to sleep and you drift off. But despite uh, despite the, the words of comfort from from uh, uh, from the doctors, about how my mom passed, I spiraled into this terrible depression because we were very close. I was always really close with my parents. And so about two weeks after her passing, I was driving back from court and also one of those waves of grief hit me and I knew that I shouldn't be driving. So I pulled over into this convenience store and I said, look, I got to get my act together. I can't walk into my office crying and stuff. And, and you know, yes, I cry. Okay, men need to learn how to cry. It's a, it's a very helpful thing. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this flash of light goes off and I turn and I look at the passenger uh, seat and I see my mother's silhouette in this silver white light. And, and, and before I can even process that, her voice fills my head and said, Mark, you have the gift of mediumship so that you would not be crushed by grief. But now you must help those who are suffering with their grief. Now I'm bursting out into a, a, a raging sweat. And before I can process that, the second message hit me. She said, your life's mission is to help people understand that God exists, that heaven, the afterlife exists, that souls are immortal living spirits, that humans can communicate with souls, and that we will all be reunited in the light that is God once it is your time to leave this world. So, Julie, I, I sink back into my seat. I am soaking wet with sweat now. And all I can say is, okay, 
And and I'm 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 sitting there going, I can't tell anybody this. <laughs> I mean, this is is, and then it, then it came very clear to me. No, this is this is one of those defining moments in life. And you know, it's, it's funny when I hear people say how, oh, I was on this mountaintop in Maui, and I like you know received this spiritual message, and it was so beautiful. Look. My family's from New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. I didn't have a Maui moment. I had a fire hose right to the face moment. And I'm glad for that because in retrospect, I'm very fortunate that it was made crystal clear to me what I'm doing here. And from that point on, everything in my life changed. Within a year, I was out of the practice of law. My first book, Never Letting Go, was coming out. And I have never looked back. I had a similar situation. I didn't know that story, Mark. I hadn't heard that before about your mom coming to you, but I was, I had uh, Pope Clement the sixth show up for me one day in his whole Pope outfit. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. And I said, there was Pope Clement. I never heard of a Pope Clement. He said, yeah, I was number six. I said, okay, how may I help you? He said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. People are going to think I'm nuts. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get on with it. You know, just go ahead and just go do it. Kind of like treats me like I'm a Nike ad. Just do it. So I go to my car to leave. And I just for kicks, I just looked up Pope Clement VI. Turns out he he was in office during the Black Plague, Mark. And he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I think, okay, Ryan, you can't make that up. That's not, there's no way. I never heard of the guy and that's what he's known for. So then it it took some courage to golden ovary courage. You know, guys have brass balls and girls have golden ovaries. So it took some golden ovary courage for me to go out there and put myself out there. And that's a whole nother story. How do you connect to spirit? What's your technique? I always start my sessions with the prayer of St. Francis. Um, And, um, well, it's okay. Um, Oh, God, make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine God, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood, as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And when I do that, that lets the other side know he's doing this now. And it's important to, I believe, to set the parameters of the contact. You know, when I see inexperienced mediums, oh, they come to me all the time. It's like, well, do you leave the doors and windows of your home open 24-7? You should not be doing that with your psyche as well. And it's not necessarily going to be dangerous to do, but I think that it degrades the quality of the contact. Plus, you know, we do have physical lives and spirits do understand that. And you just got to set the parameters. I'm doing this or I'm not doing this. And when I'm doing this, that's when I'm welcoming the contact. When I'm not doing this 
you know, I'm, I got, you know, I got to get stuff done. <laughs> so, so that, that is, is my basic process. I mean, certainly I meditate, I pray, and um, I'm very careful about my health habits because it is very draining physically, energetically to, to engage in mediumistic contact. And it's important to be, I believe in a good state of health. Well, here's a little tidbit for you on the St. Francis prayer. When I was in Catholic grade school, they that prayer is sung at mass. Yeah. You know, there's a song of it. And I used to play the flute in the choir loft to that prayer. And I still have the flute. So I love that prayer. And uh, and it, it has a, a special meaning for me as far as bringing back memories. So there you go. How does spirit communicate with you? Do you hear it? Do you see it? Do you think it? How does that work? I see them, hear them, feel them. I, I, I know things. I taste things. I smell things. Um, when I was uh, in England at Arthur Finley College, they, they noted, they go, you're clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, clairgustant, clairsavant. They go, you got the whole package. And I'm like, is that good? And they go, yeah, that that's good. Uh, because, um, and I'm not saying that that my colleagues who only hear things or only see things or only feel things are any less accurate. It's just that we have to learn with with what we we work with, uh, and 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 how we perceive things because we're all different. Some people are more visual, some are more auditory, some are more feeling. Um, I I receive all of it, um, and. Um, and I'm very grateful that I've been blessed with this. I do as well. And I call that my buffet of psychicness. And then you just choose, you know, do you want to talk to your dead grandma? Do you want me to scan you energetically and do an energetic healing on you? Do you want, do you want to talk to your pet? Do you want me to heal your pet? Do you want to tell how close to death somebody is? Do you want to do a past life thing? Whatever. It's buffet of psychicness. You do the same thing. What's spiritual sense situational awareness? My dad, the Navy SEAL, taught me and my brother when we were kids, be aware, dun, 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 you know, and it was always a joke, like, yes, dad, we know, be aware, <laughs> and, um, but, but it's true, and that's a very valued skill by first responders and military, and situational awareness is to be aware of what's going on around you 360 degrees, and when you walk into a situation um, scan the area. I just wrote a story. I, I'm a columnist for Best Holistic Life magazine. It's funny that you should ask because I was writing about that. And um, I was a teenager and I went to the beach. It was a hot summer day and and uh, all these people were in the water and it was like the, the ocean was smooth as glass. And all of a sudden I had a feeling. Okay. And, and what it is, intuition and spirit messages from spirits work in tandem with situational awareness, ergo spiritual situational awareness. And I stopped at the water's edge and I said, something's wrong. And my attention was drawn about 50 feet offshore. And all of a sudden I saw a, a dorsal fin and behind it, a caudal fin come up and then slide under the surface. And based on, and the, that was a shark because when you see the, the dorsal and the, the tail fins, the caudal fin, and based on the distance between the two, it was at least 10 feet and it was swimming right next to a crowd of people. And I was the only person on the beach who saw it. 
And I'm like, okay, we can't have that scene from Jaws. I'm trying to calm myself down. So I go and I say, as calmly as possible, everyone get out of the water. Everyone's staring at me. And 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 um and I could see like um the movement of the shark under the water. I was tracking it as it moved away from a crowd of people, and there was another batch of people that it was headed toward about 200 feet away. So I'm repeating my message, and then right in the middle of somebody calling me a 12-lettered word indicating uh or implying a very unnatural relationship with my mother, okay, it came up again, and now everybody saw it. And so then I start running out of the beach, shark, get out of the water. And all these people were running out of the water. And, and, it, and it was just, it was the scene from Jaws. But because I was able to run down the beach and alert, I mean, hundreds of people were out of the water. And then um, when it did come up, we could tell it was a bull shark. And they're extremely dangerous. And that was a form of spiritual situational awareness. Because not only was I being aware of my environment, I felt an intuitive message transmitted to me. And in reflection of that, this wasn't about me. It was much greater than me. I just happened to be the recipient of the message, and I was a piece of a much larger puzzle. And reflecting on it, um, in fact, when I was running down the beach and then the shark got real close to the shore, that's why we could tell it was a bull shark. This big guy, he picked up this piece of coquina and he ran up and he was going to, and here I am, this lanky 15-year-old, and I was this tall, skinny kid. This guy was twice my size and, and at least 10 years older than me. I go up and I grab his hand instinctively and I said, don't. You can send it into a feeding, feeding frenzy and it'll kill somebody. And I thought he was going to break me in two. And he goes, oh, dude, I didn't even think about that. And then then I go, help me. And he goes, okay. And then we're running out of the beach together. Saying, Get out of the water, shark, you know. And, and what it, it taught me that day, Julie, was trusting intuition. When it comes to intuition, trust is a must. When it comes to spiritual situational awareness, spirits intervened there and once again, the message wasn't about me. It was much bigger. I just happened to be the conduit for the intuitive spiritual message. And now when I think about it is all the beings, all living beings on this planet have to share this world. And the message that was sent to me was one of protection. And I believe that day the message was not for me, but through me to protect a person from a shark and to protect a shark from a person. Interesting perspective. Nobody thinks about the shark's side of the equation, but it, we are in the shark's environment. We're, we're we, we in, are, in his um, home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also have a shark story in the afterlife frequency. You know, I grew up by the ocean. And, you know, we got lots of shark stories. And, yeah, we think of sharks are evil, you know, and certainly the movie Jaws didn't help things. But sharks are are part of, of the environment. And the health of the ocean is dependent upon sharks. In fact, I know we're going off on a tangent here, but recently gray wolves were reintroduced. I think it was in Yellowstone or or one of the, the parks out west. And there was a lot of people saying, you know, we shouldn't have wolves here. 
And but then all of a sudden, um, biologists started noticing there were areas where vegetation began to regrow, and um, birds and other insects and and uh, smaller mammals started living. In other words, the ecosystem began to expand. And they're like, well, why is this going on? And then they realized the wolves were um, preying on elk who had been eating the vegetation right down to a nub. And now that the elk population was kept in balance, it allowed plants to grow, which allowed other animals to flourish. And it's the same thing in the ocean. Yeah, sharks are scary, all right? I mean, they're like the big bad. But the thing is, they're there for a reason. It doesn't mean I want to go up and pet a shark, certainly not a bull shark. But but the thing is, um, we do have to realize, and, and this is this is the thing that I have, is humans tend to play, we think, we, we play God with other species. And I think of all the species that have gone extinct because of human beings. All these things have a right to be here. Constantly, we hear in the news, oh, Bears are encroaching on neighborhoods. Well, guess what? They don't have anywhere to live anymore, and they're foraging in in garbage. Once again, I'm not saying, you know, I want a bear to show up in my backyard any more than I want a shark, you know, swimming uh, next to me in the ocean. But the thing is, we have to share this world. And until we realize that, we're, we're, we're not on the right trajectory. I agree. A couple more questions. You came up with a concept and you used the acronym RAF, R-A-F-T. What do the letters represent and how can it help people? RAF technique, recognize, accept, feel, and trust messages from spirits. And it's kind of an um, interesting story how I, I, I developed RAF. I was here in my office trying to figure out how to explain um, how people who aren't mediums can can receive mediumistic messages and and understand these things. And I was I hit the dreaded writer's block. So Julie, I figured, well, let me go for a walk on the beach because you know that's my nature place where I unwind. And so I'm walking down my driveway, cold chills and tingles begin to resonate through me, and I do an about face and instead head toward a bike path in the opposite direction. All right. I know cold chills and tingles, that's some type of spiritual activity. So I'm walking on the bike path and all of a sudden, it's around 11 in the morning, I see these two objects glowing in the light. And I walk up to them and it's a nickel and a penny. And I go, oh, a nickel and a penny. And I bend over to pick them up and I hear my mom's voice, both my parents are in spirit. If it's heads down, it's bad luck. And I started laughing because the Italian side of my family has a superstition for all occasions. And then I hear my dad's voice, it's money. Grab it. And now I'm laughing. All right. So I've got this nickel and this penny in my hand. I go, oh, six cents. And then I go, wait a second, six cents. And then the cold chills and tingles intensified. I go, okay, mom and dad, what do you want me to know? And I saw an image of my dad, and he was a Navy SEAL, but he was also a swimming instructor at the Y. He taught all these little kids how to swim throughout his life. And he was holding this blue Kansas canvas raft. That that he uh, that we had when uh, you know when we were kids, and I go raft, and then all of a sudden I heard my parents say in unison, "Teach people to recognize signs from spirits, accept the contact is real, feel it without fear, trust the message." And I go raft, 
And I ran back uh, to to my office, uh, flipped on the computer, and I realized they walked me through it. I thought I was going to go in one direction, got the cold chills and the tingles. So I recognized the presence of spirits. When I saw the coins, I accepted the contact as real. I did not overthink it. It's the third step, feel. That's where people start torpedoing the messages with no, 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 and overthink and hyperanalyze. You feel it, don't overthink it, and then trust the message. Now, with trusting the message, we live in a world where there's a lot of psychos who say that God told me to blow up this place, fly planes into buildings, start an insurrection, or whatever. Those are not messages from spirits. Those are not messages from the divine. That is a creation of the human ego, edging God out. Messages are from the divine, which includes spirits, when they are about love, healing, resolution, and protection. And that's the difference. And it's very important for people who who receive intuitive messages that's how you distinguish the two of them, is because messages from the divine are very altruistic, very given. They're about the peace and health of our environment. It's not about anger, bigotry, hatred, violence, aggression, all this, all the things that have just made Earth um, and, and human history very, very painful for so many people. Great explanation. I agree. I always say if you're getting information, it either needs to feel good or neutral. If it feels bad, investigate it. It's based in fear and it's your fear. It's not coming from spirit. Spirit's pure love. So I concur on that. In closing, you have any words of wisdom that can help people live a more joyful life? Yes. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Now, every belief system has that. The Buddhists say, do not do to others what you don't want done to them. Jesus said, do to others what you would have done to yourself. Um, The Taoists have this. The Hindus have this. It is a universal message that all the enlightened teachers, the avatars, if you will, have taught us. Now, on paper and in Sunday school uh, classes, that may sound very easy, but it is a lot harder to do. And so I think the best place we can start is simply to treat others with the same kindness and compassion we wish to be treated. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, I'm a stalker and I want to control you because that's not what what I'm talking about, okay? It's like respect people's boundaries, respect people's space. But if you see an old person struggling Maybe to open up a door at a restaurant or a post office, open the door for them. And, you know, I I like to tell people this, and and I I do my best to do this. Pick up a phone and call an elderly friend or relative. Send an elderly friend or relative a card, a postcard. What What do elderly folks get in the mail? Bills, junk mail. It doesn't hurt to take a few minutes of your time and be nice to an elderly person because that may be the only validation that person gets maybe that day, maybe that week. So that's all part of treat people the way you want to be treated. 
you know, and it's like even people you don't know, if you see an elderly person you don't know, say good morning to them. You know, let, let's say um, you or I see what we consider to be a really attractive 22-year-old acknowledge us. You know, you get that, you know, that, that feeling. Well, guess what? Somebody that's elderly, all too often, they're treated like wallpaper, like they're invisible and they're not invisible. And we should respect the elderly because not everyone has the privilege of living that long and they should be honored. Wonderful. I love that. How can people get in touch with you? I invite everyone to visit my website, afterlifefrequency.com, just like my latest book, The Afterlife Frequency. I welcome you to sign up for my newsletter. Um, You can find out about my books, about scheduling a private reading. I've got a number of events coming up. So if you sign up for the newsletter and every Thursday, I've got a show called The Psychic and the Doc, and we take calls from listeners. You can find out about all of that on uh, the website. And my co-host, Dr. Pat Basili, is a world-renowned behavioral psychologist. She founded the Transformation Network. She's a mover and a shaker. She's awesome. It is such an honor to work with Dr. Pat. And you can find out about all of that on my website, afterlifefrequency.com. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to join me and to join everybody that's listening and uh, everybody get the afterlife frequency. It's fabulous. You will enjoy it. So everybody, I'll be back next week with a regular show. Sending you love from Sweet Home, Alabama and Florida, where Mark is. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan. And like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.